You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast with Sinan Schwarting and Kan Bayazit. Welcome back, everybody. Besiktas International's The Black Eagles Podcast, episode 63. And I am your host, Sinan Schwarting, live from New York, as always. And you do not hear applause because everyone's favorite co-host is back, Kanbayazi from Belgium. How you doing, sir? Couldn't let you go solo two weeks in a row, could yeah, I? Yeah, <laughs> come on, you gotta kill me hanging here, yeah. How are you doing, man? Yeah. Uh, doing good, thank you. How about yourself? Good. Busy week, very busy week. Uh, capped by some interesting stuff this weekend. Um, and on that note, let me just get right into it, uh, for the sake of brevity. So, match day 25, and that's what we're here to talk about, Khan. Besiktas hosted... Konyaspor at the Vodafone Park. Konyaspor, a side that is resurgent, I would say, in the second half of the season especially. They've climbed back into the table. They were uh, four points back on Besiktas coming into this match. Is that correct, Khan? Um, let's see. We were on 41 points, on so they were on 30. They aren't oh, sorry, on 35, so six, six points, points back. Uh, but yeah. With a victory today, they could have made that three points back and put themselves thoroughly in the running for that European spot, uh, an important thing for them, for sure. So this was a big match for Besiktas against a team that would be not easy to handle. Uh, and on that note, I suppose I'll just cut right into it. Uh, Besiktas and their coach, Chanel Gunesh, the manager, put out an interesting lineup today. Loris Karius was in the back, everyone will recall that at the end of the match. Uh, on the back line, Nejip Uysal started alongside Domagoj Vida with Adriano and Gokhan Gonu on the flanks, Gary Medel and Atiba in the center of the midfield with Adem Liayic in the 10 role, Ricardo Quaresma on the right side with Jermaine Lent on the left, and Burak Yilmaz up front, which would set the stage for quite a match. Uh, shall I kick right into it, Khan? Go for it. All right. Um, So an interesting match. Uh, I don't know if statistically Besiktas were necessarily dominating early on, but it was exciting football, uh, and Besiktas were certainly pressing and showing intent. 
the 11th minute, Adem Ljajic got a yellow card. Um, but I think more that, you know, that signaled the, the pace of the match and the energy that was, you know, clearly both sides were hungry from the get-go. And really quickly, in the 14th minute, uh, very beautiful, kind of, you know, reminiscent of a year and a half ago or so, style uh, passing from Besiktas, uh, had Barak Yilmaz get the ball, slot it forward perfectly in a leading pass that found Adem Lijic, who did a light chip across the goal from the right into the left side, tucked in for a beautiful goal, and Besiktas had the lead 1-0 in the 14th minute. But you knew it couldn't last too long because the match was looking even up to that point. Uh, you know, it was a beautifully crafted goal, but Konya was hungry and you knew it was coming. And sure enough, in the 19th minute, Burak Yilmaz, you know, lazily let the ball go. T to be fair, he's a striker, you know, coming back to sort of connect play in the midfield. So credit to him for even being there to some extent. But anyhow, uh, Konyaspor grabs the ball and in a counter sort of slides it forward far too easily. Nejip lets a ball go to Umer Ali Shahineh who uh, rounds again Nejip, who doesn't aggressively come back to tackle him, and he slats the ball home. Karius dives to his right. Is It's a slow and perhaps, I don't know, weak dive. It's a one-on-one -on -one scenario in his defense, but surely he could have done better with it. Uh, it wasn't a very well-taken shot by Umar Ali Shahiner, but nonetheless, it's a goal, one-to-one. -one. The assist was from Milosevic, and credit to him, that was a very nice ball, but uh, lackadaisical yeah, defending. Excellent through ball over like 40 meters. Yeah, beautiful 40-meter through ball, yeah, in the air. Uh, again, though, I think lackadaisical defending, you know, letting him make that through ball, but that's... We'll talk about that in the analysis section of this match. In the 23rd minute, and my gosh, I'd forgotten about this, Najib got a yellow card. Wow, it was a miracle he survived the match on that note. Uh, 27th minute, Konya got a yellow card. 33rd minute, Konya got a yellow card. I'm not going to even spend too much time talking about it. It was Akchai and Filip Filipovic who earned them. And then, in the 33rd minute... A free kick was earned. I don't remember by whom. Burak. Was it Burak who it earned the free kick? Leitch played it into Burak, and Burak got hooked and, that won, and won the free kick. So it was those two combining again. Uh, again. And they were, yeah. I mean, that would be a theme, uh, particularly in the first half. Uh, they were very artful and instrumental in, in all of our efforts in attack. And very effective. Yeah, they linked up, linked up well. Very effective and efficient with their touches. It was, it was a sight to behold. You could say, you know, if we were in better moods, we probably would have appreciated it more. Uh, but anyway, stepping up to take the free kick looked to be Burak Yilmaz. Quaresma gestured for it. Medel smacked him in the head. Adriano gracefully separated them. There seemed to be no repercussions. 
and Barack Yilmaz peacefully took a free kick, which he slided home with perfection over the wall to the right side, uh, to his right, to the keeper's left. Keeper couldn't get to it. He hardly moved for it, in fact. Yeah, I think he just stood still. Yeah, uh, caught him standing. Just perfect, sublime. Uh, I'm going to use the word sublime twice because there's another instance where I'm going to have to use that as well. But yeah, very well taken goal. On the 33rd minute, Besiktas is leading 2-1. to one. <laughs> Interestingly, in the 36th minute, so they didn't even wait until the half. God, I'm going to butcher this dude's name. Uh, Konyaspor subs out Traore, who, Armand Traore, I believe, who, to his, Abdul, oh, Abdul Razak Traore, that's right, sorry, uh, who, to his defense, I, I mean, I was surprised by that move. It seemed like he'd been fairly active for them. But anyway, they bring on Hadzia Metovic. Hadzia mm-hmm. Metovic. That's an interesting name. Yeah, Hadzia Metovic. Uh, no, another Bosnian. Bosnian, yeah, I was about to make that yeah. guess. Just like Milosevic. Uh, but yeah, so that sub was made before the half, but it didn't spark too much for them. And going into the half, Peshtash had the lead 2-1. to one. In the 62nd minute, Maurike Fofana comes into the match for Umut Demiruk. Uh that move should be noted. He was uh, instrumental later on. In the 75th minute, Shinji Kagawa would finally come into the match, though, unfortunately, for Adem Lijajic, who had been superb up to that point. And then, shortly after the substitution, upon making the substitution, even, if you will, yeah. uh, and this is why I reserved the right to, to reuse the word sublime. Morike Fofana. I mean, it has to be noted that Nijib runs towards him to defend the ball. And then for reasons beyond any sort of rational, rational explanation, slows down and even stops running and just starts wildly gesticulating flushing his arms around like a weirdo. Uh, and in the process, Morike Kofana has the time to calmly, you know, at his own pace uh, and in his own masterful way, uh, take his time to, to lock the ball in over Loris Karius, who kind of started to come out to, to, to attack the attacker, attack the striker. Um, uh, and he got caught in dead man, no man's land there uh, with Morike Fofana chipping him perfectly. I love you, Gucci. I love you, Gucci. I love you, Gucci. I love you, Gucci. And again, yeah, I mean, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know a better word than sublime to describe uh, the, the 
skill he showed. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, but come on. So, uh, there was something like artistic and... That was perfection. I mean, uh, that finish. It was a beautiful finish. Uh, I, I, we'll talk about Karius' role in these goals. Certainly the second one was my, far less even, I think, uh, a conversation of it being his fault. Uh, and, and again, I think one needs to mention Najib's role in both goals. But uh, anyhow, in the 82nd minute, Mujahid Akjai, who I mentioned earlier had earned himself a yellow card, came out of the match for Ali Turan, a name many will recall if you've been following the Turkish Super League over the years. Uh, in the 82nd minute, Guven Yalcin came into the match for Gokhan Gonu, who again, I... I Gokhan Gonu, Injury, I think. Yeah, he... he He'd been coming off an injury, even so. I don't really know. I hope he's must okay. have been an injury because Lens moved to right back after that. Yeah, so. I, I, no, I'm just saying he he'd also just been recovering from an injury, so I hope he's okay. And I hope he didn't re-aggravate something. They didn't. I hope they, I hope we didn't rush him out. Too you know, soon. you know, Gokhan plays with injections pretty much. That's just all his the life. Time. Yeah, uh, especially yeah. given his age. But <laughs> anyway, uh, I actually don't think he played poorly. To speak of no, it was a good game. Uh, in the 87th minute, Ozan Oziakoub came in for Gary Medel, who also actually had a pretty good game. We, we like to slag him off, but he was yeah. uh, pugnacious as always, but even you know effective in, in today's case. Good match from him. In the 88th minute, Mr. Fofana, the artist, uh, earned himself a yellow card, so a little bit less uh, sublime in that regard. Uh, but then, <laughs> and at this stage... The stadium is swelling with boos and chants all over the place. Counter chants. You know, Loris Karius is being booed, but then also cheered. People trying to try to cover up the boos, and then at this stage, late in the match, you're starting to get Channel Gunesh Istifa chants. You're getting uh, pro Quaresma chants, anti Quaresma chants. It's just it's insanity. And somehow within this swirling madhouse of this cacophony of sound, Shinji Kagawa collects a ball that's very well defended by Adriano. And I suppose he's credited with the assist because he kind of taps it uh, towards Shinji Kagawa. Shinji, the samurai spirit Kagawa, slides past his defender and slides the ball past the keeper. Uh, I should say, actually, he sort of slams it past the keeper. He does a very nice job sending it across, across him. And Besiktas, in the third minute of extra time, takes the lead three to two. Oh, he's the 
And there's a bunch of insanity for about four minutes thereafter. And Besiktas ends the match. Winners, victorious, uh, by a final scoreline of 3-2. to two. Uh, Khan, is there anything you'd like to say before I give these folks the statistics? Or shall I just go right on ahead? No, no go into the statistics and then we'll talk about the match after. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, let's just get, this, get the ball rolling. So... You, if you watch this match, you will not be surprised by these numbers. Besiktas had 20 shots to Konyaspor's 4. 12 of Besiktas's shots were on target versus Konyaspor's 3. So, 3 shots on target, 2 goals. Uh, Assassin-like efficiency, uh, which almost panned out for them, honestly. Uh, possession went to Besiktas 62% to their 38. 605 passes completed. That might be a, a season high, honestly. At least it is for as far as I can go back uh, for these stat flashes, as far as I can recall. Um, Konyas 4 connected on 392 of theirs. 82% accuracy for Besiktas. So Atiba Hutchinson, as always, a part of another very efficient day of passing. 72% efficiency or accuracy for Konyaspor. So not bad from them, honestly. Uh, they do have some talented individuals on their side, it should be of note. Uh, fouls committed 20 by Konyaspor, 14 by Besiktas. This was a violent and physical matchup. Uh, also, not a surprise if you watched it. Three yellow cards handed out to Konyaspor to Besiktas's two, but no red cards, luckily. Uh, Konyaspor were offsides four times, Besiktas twice, so, you know, Burak Yilmaz is getting it going, <laughs> which is actually good. Uh, we've talked about that a lot on this podcast. And there were nine corners by Besiktas to Konyaspor's one. So, based on these stats, and I think it's always nice to get the ball rolling when we uh, start this analysis, Khan, to have some numbers before us. Because this gives us a, a good launch pad to start doing like a general overview. Now, as these stits, uh, stits, as these stats reflect, Besiktas thoroughly dominated this match in terms of possession, uh, intent, desire to score goals, uh, you know, willingness, right? Like all of the things we've complained about previously were not necessarily criticisms we could apply today. They were hungry for goals, and they were attacking with efficiency. Uh, but, and I think we have to give a shout-out to this individual, Serkan Kirintele, uh, a, a, a keeper that many fans of Turkish football will recognize. He's been around the block for quite some time. I don't know how much time I want to spend talking about him, but he made... Uh, Nine, nine saves, I think. Ten. Ten, ten saves. So, I mean, that that has to be noted when we talk about the stats. Because Besiktas... Yeah, lots, of, lots of stat padding. Yeah. There. Uh, there's only one really good save you made, in my opinion. That was the, the one on, on Lenz's shot. In, uh, that was the first chance, I think, that was created. No, the second chance, because the first one was a goal. 
I, I, I didn't think he was all that great. Uh, I mean, I but mean, he if you was look also at, very effective in coming out. You know, uh, he was aggressive. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a brave goalkeeper. He's a decent goalkeeper. Um, but these statistics, I mean, I think this is the most the, the, the highest amount of saves made in a single match this season. Uh, make him out to be some kind of panther. Um, well, no, by and large. And the reason that, I mentioned yeah. him having being around the block is he's not a keeper. Like, if Besiktas were, were to bring him in next season, and let's not discredit the possibility. Someone literally told me if, if the goalkeepers were reversed, if, if Konyaspor had Karius and if Besiktas had Serkan, do you think this match would have been the same? And he was, of course, implying that Serkan oh, is such a great... Shot stopper. It's it's ridiculous. Yes. If you look at the, 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 you have to compare the positions Honestly, they face. Honestly, uh, probably saves that Shinji Kagawa goal at the end because he's very good on those little low balls. I think so too. <laughs> I think he saves that. So, but that yes, was it not, would be different. That was not good goalkeeping there. I mean, it was it was a very tight angle. Uh, Serkan should have had that, and I think you saw it in his reaction too that he felt that he should have had that. Having said that. Carius had the same reaction on the first goal, where he probably thought he should have had that. And he should but, have. But if you compare the the the, the, the two goals that uh, from open play that both keepers conceded, both were sort of one on one positions. Exactly. And both uh, they conceded both. I mean, Serkan faced two one on ones, conceded two goals. It's not like he made some exceptional saves on a, from a one-on-one position or some exceptional saves on this line where you know you, the, the ball comes in from a corner or a free kick somebody heads it towards the corner and he makes like a uh, a panther like reflex save no that's that's really not what happened uh i think it's a little bit of an overstatement here uh in terms of of, of how good uh, serkan was based purely on those numbers and that's one of the big issues i think that people are looking a lot at numbers after last weekend's match uh the 2-2 against kaiseri spore where i don't think carius had any blame whatsoever on either of the goals um instead of talking about channel gunesh or whatever uh what was the talking point after the match carius has conceded 24 goals in 24 matches yeah okay um fine if that's what, if that's the type of the of of of, of arguing you want to do, I mean, they make the point. Carius is is the scapegoat. They make him out to be that that, that scapegoat. Look, do I think he was perfect today? Of course not. He should have done better on that first goal. On a second goal, what can he do? That's 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 Nihat against the Czech Republic. That's a perfectly placed shot in the top far corner and it curls in there's something to even on the first goal and of course yes he should have done better it was a poorly taking shot which you know he didn't get down on fast enough fine but at the end of the day you've still allowed a situation where you've got a one-on-one between a, a fairly capable attacker in umar ali shahina and, and your keeper you've allowed that defensively and so, you know, what, whatever comes from there, you can you can certainly say, you know, in that moment, fine, Karius was to blame. But defensively, there's a huge lapse that even brings you to that situation. And that's really the theme of the season. And that's if you if you want to find a problem with our team, for the most part, that's where it is. It's allowing these guys to sort of send these perfect balls up because there's no pressure on them in the midfield. And this has been such a recurring theme that I don't even really want to spend too much time talking about it. But, you know, like, if anyone was to, for example, like, I, I've heard people saying, oh, they want Fabri back, they want Fabri back. A 32-year-old who will be 33 next season versus Karius, right, who's 26. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they want to bring Fabry back because statistically he was so much better. Okay, but you don't see when you're looking at those numbers the fact that he had basically two to three central defenders consistently playing in front of him most of that season. Karius has mm-hmm. not. He that that rotation between Pepe being injured or not getting paid or whatever it was, and Nedjip or Medel or Roko for a few matches early on. Like, th- he hasn't had a stable back line. He's had, on the flanks, guys have been injured all season in the way of Gokan Gunul and, and Jan Erikin off and on, and Adriano. Uh, there's been absolutely zero stability on the defensive line all season in his first <clears throat> season with this team, right? Um, so yeah. it's... And again, he's slightly younger. But so guys are gonna, people are gonna complain about how old our roster is. Slight, slightly younger. I mean, he's 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 really young. He's significantly younger. I know. He's, he's a part of that yeah. age group that we could really be yeah. building around going forward. Or that was the the narrative when yeah. we weren't like a bankrupt team on the verge of yeah. you know financial doom. But um, yeah, I mean, look, if your argument is eight million euros is too much. Then I completely understand you. Sure. But I literally, I literally said in, in both our group chats and on Twitter, at how, I said uh, fans who booed Carius were booing because they were booing him. There were fans booing him, and throughout and, and, the match, and the, like loud. And the initial, the initial wave of boos was not met by protest by another section of the fans. That, that happened on earlier, later on when the when the, in the second half when when. Um, uh, a very big, significant portion of the fans turned against those fans that were booing Carius, and they started clapping to uh, overshadow the boos. But those fans who were booing Carius, they deserve Hakan Arakan. They deserve Cenk And I said literally that. And, and, and people then go and say, well, Cenk wasn't that bad. Are you looking through rose-colored glasses or what? Cenk is a terrible goalkeeper. There's a reason he completely flopped at Galatasaray too. There's a reason he flopped in Spain. He is not a good keeper. Nowhere, he comes nowhere. I mean, the only thing, this is one of those things with Turkish goalkeepers you often have that they, the the, the, the biggest problem with Turkish goalkeepers usually, uh, especially past generations, maybe that will improve now, but the problem is lacking fundamentals because, for example, a guy like Cenk started goalkeeping at the age of 15, 16. Then you're not going to have those fundamentals to be a good goalkeeper. Look, Cenk had the natural talent to be a good goalkeeper in terms of reflexes. He had really good reflexes. Same goes for Hakan Arikan. But he didn't have the composure in the air. He didn't know how to uh, close down an angle properly, go towards on a one-on-one, um, you know, sit down quickly enough uh, on his ass to, to to stop something from going through his legs. I mean, those are all fundamentals that the goalkeepers that are players that are, are, are playing as a goalkeeper from a young age get get taught. And that's something you can't just get in there from the age of 15, 16. Anyone who has a kid will know how easy it is for children to pick up a new language when they're young. Yeah, exactly. And it comes, becomes significantly more difficult when they're older. No, and that true. has a reason because children learn things and it, bec- and it becomes more natural to them a lot quicker. And that's the same thing when you're goalkeeping from the age of six, seven, eight, nine, you're always going to be fundamentally a better goalkeeper than somebody who starts doing it at the age of 15, 16. You're picking up and habits t- is what you're doing. And you're not just yeah. picking up habits yourself in, ter- in terms of what you do, but you're, them, also, yeah. you're also learning 
kind yeah. of human nature. You're 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 meeting mm -hmm. strikers throughout your life with different habits, different kind of yep. ticks. You know, he this guy sort of tilts to the right when he's going to shoot. You know, you're you're picking up on all these subtleties that you then apply for the rest of your life as a keeper. That you know, yeah. And, and again, I think your most formative years are between like four and twelve or something like that. Like people are playing yeah. football by that age, and and if you're in the goal, you're picking up such great like uh, instincts and, and knowledge in that it's, age it's usually the same thing with you have a lot of players that for example start off their careers as striker and as they as they move through the youth ranks they get moved further further back and then ultimately some of them end as a defensive midfielder some of them end as a defender mm -hmm. um and and especially for the defenders maybe it comes natural to them and they do well, but sometimes you still see that they have those offensive tendencies. Mm -hmm. um, think of Koulibaly, for example, I believe from uh, Napoli, he has that too. And uh, there's a couple more, but the names are eluding me right now. But the point is that with Cenk, you, he masked his uh, deficiencies, inadequacies, yeah. inadequacies at times because he had impressive saves. Yeah. But he had so many fuck ups, so many goals on his, on his head. Basically, that was were his fault. Right now, every goal carries his conceding. People are putting it on him. But, but seriously, last week he concedes two goals and he couldn't do nothing about either of them. But still, people put it on him because he's the goalkeeper in goal and he's conceding those goals. But if you ask them, look, people listening to this podcast, if you do not agree with me, that's fine. Point me to five goals that are 100% on carriers, or even 70%. Put, point, point them out to me, because you can't. I, there's, there's like a couple. There's maybe the Malmo girl, mm -hmm. maybe, but that, even that was a deflection. So to put that 100% on him is, is very harsh. Yeah. I don't know what, what else is there, really. Uh, you know, People were blaming him for the goal that we conceded in Bursa, but that was on Pepe. That was not on carriers. There's other goals people are blaming him for, randomly blaming him for, without really, I mean, Khan, like the, the goal. Khan, is Khan is being nice. And if you disagree with Khan about this, Khan's going to remain nice to you. But I have to say that when people's default is to, to scapegoat a goalkeeper, I'm going to judge you negatively. And whether I tell you that to your face or not, I'm saying, I'm saying this now on the podcast, I genuinely think less intellectually of of a person who who is gonna like jump to a scapegoating options I, like that i genuinely think less of your knowledge of the of the sport that we're at that we're talking about if if you think right. that 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 he's the man that's responsible for this club's problems and again see none I, I i literally had this 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 conversation with someone just last week after the whole Starting, you know, the whole blame carriers campaign started after the 2 2 against Kaiserispor, where again he could do nothing about those goals. I had this conversation with a person. He told me literally, I just, he, I just want him to make more of an attempt. He just stands still on so many goals. And I told him, look, what, what do you want him to do? You want him to still jump on a ball he knows he's not gonna get? So basically just sell some show? Is that what you want? What What's that going to get you? It's still going to be a goal, and he might get injured. On the other hand, Kai, the, you, you might have recruited him to, uh, to to wrestling. I bet he could be a wrestling fan, because there's a lot of that kind of, you know, if he, if he wants people acting 
and pretending to do things, right? <laughs> like, like perhaps yeah, he it's, needs it's, to it's, find it's a new silly. sport. It's, it's, it's silly. Look, is Karius playing a great season? Of course not. Of course not. He, he's not in the environment to do so. How can you expect him to have a great standout season when the entire team as a collective, defensively especially, is failing? I mean, there, you can't even point to, like, what's, what is the defensive unit that is there, like, do... I literally couldn't tell you the four guys back there that are like his unit that he's been, you know, mm. like captaining that he's been standing behind. There's, but but, but Sinan, look at look at today. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but look no, at no, today. No. We 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 allow what three three chances, two of which are real chances actually, because I don't I can't even remember that third shot. Right what now, was I was that to even? Think of the third one. Yeah, so they they got two chances and they scored both of them. So then a lot of people are like, well, where's the goalkeeper? On the first one, okay, that you that you give him some give him some slack there. I can understand because his his dive for the ball was kind of awkward, and you you also saw it in his reaction that he was immediately like, ah, damn it. On his second goal, there's absolutely nothing he could have done. Now, this is the thing: you can allow ten so, quote unquote chances in a match like Konya supposedly did, where Serka makes ten saves. But how many clear cut chances did we create today against Konya Spor? Huh? We had the goal. We had our hand, goal. I would say a handful, at best. We had our goal. That was a clear-cut one-on-one opportunity. Then we had the Kagawa chance, which was a clear-cut one-on-one opportunity. And maybe you can say the the lens shots, but even that was with a lot of bodies around him, him cutting in, squeezing off a shot. That wasn't easy either. We didn't create that many 100% chances. Most of the saves that that, that Serkan made were relatively easy saves for him to perform. Look, if Karius is going to face 15 shots in a match or 10 shots in a match and 8 of those are roll up little uh, easy to catch Dribblers, things yeah, yeah. then 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 his save percentage can also be be 80% yeah, but exactly. he faces and, and the, of course the argument is look he's playing for a big team and he's there to save those one or two chances and i completely agree with that but when those are 100% chances it's always going to go 50-50 i know and, and, and literally both opportunities today ended up as one on ones because of yeah, terrible defending. Both. And on a corner, on a corner, on a set piece, when you allow a player to head the ball and the header is good, there isn't much a goalkeeper can do. After the the tree tree against Fenerbahce, somebody told me he should have had the Sadik header. Really, Sadik heads it almost perfectly into the opposite corner, uh, well, the lower net, whatever. But he heads towards the post. That is an, a very difficult position. How is he? I mean, how can you blame him there? And then there's the there's the tree tree, of course, that long shot. And there's people saying, look, why is he going with two hands for that ball? And okay, you know, fine. Maybe he should have gone with one one hand so he could have been a little bit more at full stretch. But even if he did that, do you think he would have gotten that ball? That's one of those once-in-a-lifetime types of shots that he takes, Hassan Ali Calderon, that, that Mehmet Topal took the, the Thursday before against Zenit St. Petersburg. They're going to score maybe two or three goals like that in their career if they're lucky. And that's just a very unfortunate... We're in this position right now where we are conceding these types of goals. Look, this this goal Fafana scores today. How many times is he going to score that goal? Oh, yeah. compare, that, compare, compare this finish to the finish he had against Fenerbahce. You know, the finish he had against Fenerbahce was decent, was fine. But there you could have said, okay, well, maybe the goalkeeper could have done a little bit more. But here, 
that was a that was perfection. That was Nihat against the Czech Republic. That was leaving somebody without a chance. And I constantly hear from people. Oh, a good goalkeeper would have saved that. A good goalkeeper would have saved it. Look, do you think a good goalkeeper doesn't concede goals? Did you watch the Champions League, Paris Saint-Germain versus Manchester United? Is is Jean-Luigi Buffon suddenly not a good goalkeeper anymore because he's 41 years old? I mean, look at what he did. He pulled a Tolga. Mm-hmm. Does that mean he's not a good goalkeeper anymore? What I mean, Carius, yeah. I mean, is he great? No, again, he's not. He really isn't. He he's been he's he's been a bit disappointing. Sure, you can say that. But then, like I said, the, the entire team has been massively disappointing, and massively I I, underperforming. You can't really stress enough the fact that it's now 2019, and and Nejip is playing in front of him on the back line. You know, despite yeah. despite this team who has needed various positions filled. Getting two mm-hmm. central defenders this year in, in both windows, right? If you combine Anzoroko and Nicolas Isimadmidin. Yeah. And we're still playing Nejip, who, let's let's just say it, because it's already been said by me already like four times, so let's say it one last time before I move on. Both goals Nejip played a role in. Both goals he played throw, passively on. Let's throw some, some stats at people. Now look, last season, Fabri had a 76% save rate. That was the best in the entire league. So I understand that people have been a little bit pampered when it comes to goalkeeping recently. To put that into perspective, I believe Fernando Muslero had a 71 or a 70 or even a 69. I think it was 69% save rate last season. And still, I I often hear people say, well, Muslero would have saved that. Look, uh, right now, Carius is on 68.67, so 69%. So that's almost the same thing basically as Muslera last season in terms of percentage uh, of saves. He has made 57 saves and he's conceded 26 goals. Uh, so he's conceded almost, uh, um, how should I put it? Let's say one out of one out of three shots, unfortunately, is a goal. Whereas with, 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 with Fabri, it was one out of four shots. Um, but it's worth pointing out as well, this might be an interesting statistic, 65% of Karius's saves have come from the penalty box. That's an interesting statistic, I think. Um, then if we look at Fabri, um, 57% of his saves, well, 58, let's round it up. 58% of his saves have come from the penalty box. I think it's, it's worth pointing out Maybe we're not necessarily allowing that many more chances because I don't, I, I, I haven't had throughout the season, I have not had the impression that we allow a ridiculous amount of chances. That's why I don't want to blame the defensive back four, even though, like you already pointed out, you know, having Nijib in there constantly is an issue. And he has several goals on his conto, including today. I think in both goals, he plays a significant role. Yeah. I mean, people can blame Karius all they want on that first one. It's a 1v1, so that's a 50-50 position for a goalkeeper regardless. And also, Nejip but, plays a hand in giving in that 1v1 because Nejip, A, yeah. doesn't uh, doesn't intercept the ball when it's coming into uh, to Umar Ali Shahiner. He has, he, if he keeps running through, he'll probably at least touch the ball and, and slow down its path before yeah. it gets to him. And, and then he and tries to know. recover. And just doesn't aggressively do that, and it allows Umer Ali to go straight at our keeper. So, and then the second one, he literally—I said it before—he just instead of running towards the guy and he just gives to tackle, up. He just and not just gives up. 
he starts wildly gesticulating his arms as if someone else is to blame for for not being somewhere or doing something and it's like fine you can have that conversation after the ball after the whistle has been whistled you know what Right now, your job is to stop that guy with the ball because you're a central back and you're the last line of defense. So I like you really can't. You can't. And and we don't want to shift all the blame over to Najib. I think the problem isn't so much Najib, but it's the fact that Najib is playing there. Yeah, right. Najib is just Najib. He does what he does. Why did we buy Enzo Rocco if you're not going to play him? And Najib, throughout the season, he's played many, many plays at games at central back this season already, and he has not been good he's been poor let me he's interrupt you here been a, he's been consistently a liability and i'll t- let you speak now <laughs> yeah i've got to interrupt because this is my main talking point this week uh and and so this is going to be our format this week is Khan and i each have two kind of uh focal points that we want to hammer home and and i promise you that we're not going to do a whole bunch of channel gunesh istifa stuff we've done it so many times you know where we stand on this but it is kind of underlying my issue here. Um, first of all, Enzo Rocco never got the chance to ingratiate himself into the starting lineup when he first joined the squad. We've talked about that before on the podcast, and I'm not going to harp on that. I've criticized it. I've said you can't invest that kind of money into someone and not at least know for sure 100% whether this guy can be useful for you or not. Uh, and if you if you definitely have to sell him, then you should at least play him a little bit so you can sort of get some interest going in someone maybe uh, who could buy him from you down the line. But anyway, that's sort of done and dusted. We've already even made another move for a central defender in the way of Nicolas Isimat Mirin. And so this is where my problem really becomes a big one that I have to talk about. He is basically being hailed as a hero uh, since the moment he arrives, because he plays fairly well for a few games, three or four matches, five matches. Um, And then against Fener, we have a great first half. And then in the Mm -hmm. second half, it all falls apart. Um, Yeah, as a team, it was a collective Giant failure. And and we we talked about it. He, He had a poor half. He had a terrible half among a whole host of players. A number of guys had a terrible half. Uh, Shinji Kagawa, who made his first start in like a year out of, at that point, uh, fell off. He, the fatigue set in. Uh, I mean, we didn't even really talk about that, and that's why I mention it now. But I mean, the point being, it, it was a general failure all around. The whole team fell yeah. off. Uh, but Isimat Mirin got the blame, it looked like, uh, insofar as yeah, against Kaiseri. Against Kaiseri, the, the one real change made was to take him out of the match, and he played Gary Medell on the back line. Um, I don't even think he was on the bench, right? He was supposedly injured. I mean, it wasn't even... I, it was barely mentioned. Uh, in the interview, I think later on, there was this this message that he got injured, supposedly. But even Chanel just... You know, the question... He was asked the question before the match, uh, is, Mirin isn't playing, and he said, yes, he isn't playing today. And that's all he said about it. He didn't even say, like, oh, he, he picked up a small injury during training or whatever. Yeah, really and the thing is, too. yeah, and this week, again, he's not in the squad. Well, so, and, and there's been absolutely is... no official communication from the club saying that he's injured. Yeah, exactly. So, I've only seen some unofficial tweets. But anyway, so yeah. look, so that's the situation with Isimat Mirin going into last week against Kaiseri Sport, and, and he, you know, obviously doesn't feature. 
into, coming into this week, again, he's not in the lineup. There's this sort of unofficial rumbling about maybe he's injured. Uh, but so fine. Now, what ended up happening last week was that when things were going awry, they swapped things up and brought in Enzo Rocco. And I mentioned this on the podcast that I soloed last week. Enzo Rocco came in and played fairly well. You know, even made a few notable tackles, saved the team from extra blushes and a generally poor match. Point being, he played fairly well. And so logically speaking, fine. You've basically shattered the confidence of Nicolas Isimatmirin by removing him after one poor half uh, when he's just entered the squad. Uh, so the one silver lining might be that Enzo Rocco seems to have maybe had his confidence rebuilt, and here he is performing well. So, of course, logically, what's going to happen this week? Who's going to play? Should I? Oh, wait. Oh, of course, it's Nejib. What? From a psychological perspective, what is the what is the underpinning logic here that you can use to explain the kind of decision making going on here? How are you going to tear a man's confidence down in the way that you do with Easy Mountain Median? How are you not going to build on the confidence that you may have finally restored after tearing it down in the first place in the way of Enzo Rocco just to freaking get Nejip in the squad? Like, why... The attachment that Chanel Ganesh has to Nejip is a thing. Okay, fine. Uh, I don't even I don't even think that the attachment is the issue. I think the problem is look, fans putting taking making a player out to be a scapegoat is one thing. Fans are not professionals. Not every fan has the same um, ability to analyze and, and, and look at Look at things more deeply and all that. They aren't paid one and a half million a year right. to do that. Shannon Gunich is. Shannon yeah. Gunich has paid a lot of money and he constantly singles out players and makes them a scapegoat. Even and then the you know that's a, that's a nasty habit to have as a coach, especially I think when it comes after like you said, Isimat Mirin made it made a good start at the club, some impressive performances in his first three or so matches. Then against uh, I think it was Malatya Spor, he he was to blame for one of those goals. Definitely he had a hand in one of those goals. And then the next match in against Fenerbahce he, uh, together with the rest of the team, kind of uh, imploded in the second half. But he gets blamed for it. He gets singled out. I mean, that's, the newest guy in the squad. And, and okay, you know what? He's he's uh, quote unquote injured. But like I said, there's been absolutely no official communication from the club. What's wrong with him? Nothing like that. This is again one of those mystery injuries, like with Pepe. You know, and, and I'm fairly sure in those photos they they send out throughout the week on social media of the team training. I'm 95% positive I've seen him in those images training. So I, it's just it's not yeah. a good look, man. But it's this not is, a this, good this look. happens. This is something that Cheryl Gunesh has persistently, consistently done since he's been at Besiktas. He he makes players escape scapegoat. He did it with Lens. Remember last season when Lens exactly. Uh, exactly played came in and played against Trabzonspor. After the match, and Negredo, he, he did it with Negredo. <laughs> maybe less so with Negredo, but he definitely did it with Lens. Definitely scapegoated him after he missed that opportunity to make a three-one, and they scored right at the other end and made a two-two. He got the blame for that, and maybe yeah, I mean, obviously he was to blame. He could have squared it. Jane could have easily tapped it in and made a three-one. Obviously, Lens 
was to blame there. But there's a different way of handling it. You don't just mm-hmm. completely shatter a player's confidence. You, you, you talk to him about it. As a coach, you coach him. You know, your function is a verb. You mentioned we as fans are not paid $1.5 million a year to make these decisions. He's not only paid that money to make those decisions, to, to, to have this sort of analytical ability that you were talking about. He's also paid that money to develop yeah. these players, yeah. um, to, to sort of assist them psychologically in, in, in their footballing issues yeah. on and off the pitch. He constantly talks about the financial situation of the club. But he squanders the club's money by throwing players in the in the bin after two or three matches where they didn't perform 100% up to his liking. Look at this quote post match today. He was asked, um, he was asked if you had Tolga available, would you still play Karius or something like that. And, or or he was asked... Um, I don't even think he was asked that. I think he no, it, said, it, if Toga was available, I'd be playing him. Yeah, I think he they were that. just like, yeah. what are your and, and, response? And what's, what the, what's, the ben- what's the benefit to playing Tolga? What's the benefit there? Huh? Well, is, um, is, he, is he going to make those... To make, uh, Khan, I think to make the twins happy. <laughs> That's the benefit. No, <laughs> but I think... Benefit. And we really got to round up this, this whole Karius thing, but yeah, yeah. people are just focusing so much on Karius and I'm, look I'm not saying that he has no blame in any of those goals I'm sure he he carries his part but every time after every match I only I hear Karius 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 but I never I never see people talk about the collective defending exactly like the well and con and at this point what we're really talking about too is that with all of that chatter about Karius What's I think the biggest stab in the back of all, what would be anyway, I would imagine, is to now hear your coach say that he would be playing Toga <laughs> if he had him as the option. I mean, as far as nurturing and developing your players and the sort of you know psychological aspect of, of that job that's so vital, he, this guy gets a zero out of 10 from me at, at this stage. And I think maybe it's gotten worse over time. I I would hope so because I know he's a very successful manager, and I would. Uh, it would actually run counter to my thinking that that could that he could be this bad with man management in that regard and have had that success previously. He, so he plays favorites. He. I mean, it's becoming so bad. Look, though. look like, I mean, look. Nejip over two guys that you're paying millions. Wh- what for, about like, what about Yakub? He has completely disappeared off the face of the earth. Insane. He's bring he's he's been bringing him in and, and as an eighty something minute substitute in the last two matches where we needed some creative impulse. But why doesn't he start him? Okay, you know what? Medel played a decent game today, but of course that was allowed because Konyaspor had absolutely no intention of contesting the game in midfield. Their only game plan was defend and try to hit them on the counter. They had absolutely no interest in making the game. They j- just gave Besiktas the ball. That was their plan. So, of course, in a match like that, you're not going to have very feisty uh, fights in midfield and all that. So, a player like Medel, a player uh, you know, those kinds of guys, they they're not really tested that much, so they're not being exploited. Um, but why don't you just play Ozan then? And that's one of those things with Ozan. He's one of our biggest talents, and look what he's done with him. And I'm not saying that Ozan is, is, is faultless in this, but 
there's there, there's poor man management managing going on. And there. Look, not there. to be too coarse, but like again, right? We've we, we I hate to rehash old episodes, but we talked about how age wise we needed this core of young to sort of middle, you know, to the to the, the guys who are entering their prime to build on going forward. And so we had uh, Karius and Ryajic. And then well, obviously the next sort of extension of that would have been Ozan and how he's 25, 26. He's also of that age where even if he's got these hiccups right now, you still have to be of the mentality that you're trying to develop a core to be building with going forward. And you're going to accept some of those hiccups in the meanwhile. So you have that. That's kind of the inevitable. Those are the bumps along the road so that you can reach the smoother part, right? Like, and not to be too coarse, but Shen, there's no way that Cheno Ganesh is going to be here when we reach that stage. You know, when this core comes into fruition and is like the heart of the lineup, the leadership, you know, all that stuff. Because then they've only had, none of them have been with the squad or have been given the reins of the squad in the case of Ozan long enough to sort of manifest that. So when it happens, Shen Ganesh isn't going to be here. And so it's, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's confirmed selfish. to be leaving already. I mean, but even even if that hadn't been the case, he's just how many how many years old can the man be? You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like the the development of this team is being hampered in order to satiate this guy's vision of what he wants now. And he's yeah, actually why, why playing is older still guys. Playing ninety minutes. He's playing older guys like. Medell yeah, Ozzy gets what eight minutes today, three minutes of normal time, and then five minutes of stoppage time. He gets eight minutes. Is that how Ozan is supposed to rehabilitate himself? So basically, what you're saying is, unless you give an assist or a goal here, it's basically all. I mean, Peace. it's so unfair. Yeah. What's the point? What's the point? Play him, show some balls. What did he do? He just started Atiba Medel. He just like a total. You know what, coward? It's not even balls. Show some selflessness. Show some awareness to the fact that Besiktas is going to exist after you're gone. And as yeah, such, I mean, you have a responsibility to be building something that's bigger than you. But, but even in, in, in his own, to his own benefit, he would benefit from the fact that Olshan came back and improved. Because he's going to go on to the national team and be the national team coach now. And the national team could sure as hell use a good Olshan. There you go. So it's even in his own benefit to rehabilitate him. But something clearly, I, you know, I think I said this months ago, that there's something broke between those two. There's a, there's, there's a rift. That's the only possible explanation that there's a rift between Olshan and Shinol Gunesh. And I think it's an, and I said it then, because this is back in 2018, I said to the, the when I was making the argument that it's probably best for Shinol Gunesh to leave back then, and I think that was an unpopular opinion at the time. Yeah. We both shared it, but it was an unpopular opinion. Right now, more and more people, well, finally people are coming around to it. I think we did a poll uh, and, and are at 73% or so of 500-something votes agreed with it, or, or more than 80% even, I don't remember exactly, but um, a vast majority of people agreed with it. I think if we would have done that poll four or five months ago, then it would have been the other way around. Sure. And that's the thing. Um, but this is one of those things with, with Ozan is one of your um, most valuable commodities he's a player we actually own the rights to, he's 26 going on 27, he's one of our most valuable players if you can get him to play which are our other most valuable commodities Adam Leitch who we don't yet own and Khan, like, yeah, given all. our finances it's not like we can ever replace him with another guy on the market 
it's basically like we develop no, a kid no. from the age of 18 it's yeah it, or we it, get this guy going Muhai, you know and and, and even if even if we Muhai say or, we want to get yeah. Muhair going we have to recognize it's going to take him a few years to sort of like get I mean, it going yeah, and so therefore I mean, we need ozan now no matter what three seasons maybe. there's not even yeah and not i mean like a, it, a what and you don't even is, know, you know if if muhair is up to the task i mean we haven't even seen him get a minute so you don't know if if, if he's up to that task if he's up to that i mean he could even show some really show promise but then you have to pull it through and that's the thing with Ozan he consistently did show when he came into the club when he was uh, just had just turned 20 his first season he was showing that promise his second season he confirmed his third season under under Bilic he had a little bit of a uh, drop back especially when Sosa came in but still then it's then then it's uh, fourth season he really flourished under Chanel and then his fifth season he kind of had a little bit of a drop back again so it's definitely a consistency issue on Olshan's part as well but we we are in a position where we just those are the types of players we need to get the most and out again, of again you're not going to get what you're talking about that inconsistency is all in his head psychology right like if, if there's a theme yeah, for this episode it's that Developing our guys is not just a matter of X's and O's on a piece of paper if you're drawing out tactics, you know. There's also an element that has to be focusing on the human side. These are kids who have a lot of money and, and like, in theory, a lot of responsibility, but it's on you. Young people. It's on you as the manager to impress upon these guys that responsibility because they're not going to maybe have that instinct to understand responsibility. First of all, we're not talking about Nobel scholars here. We're talking about footballers. And second of all, they're talking about like very rich and probably spoiled individuals for the most part. I do want to say that I think Olsen is a very intelligent person. Good. No, gonna, I, mean, you know, I don't I mean, know. These, my, my, my point, these are not guys that are coming from the favelas in, in Brazil that are probably uneducated. I, but I, I, respect. I just mean they're not MacArthur genius grand yeah. winners. They need direction. And, yeah. and that's why you pay a manager millions, millions of dollars or euros or lira or whatever. Whatever currency yeah. you're working in, it's it's to get in the most the out of the job these guys. description to manage, and you don't just manage your little favorites. Like, I mean, he's pampering Quaresma throughout this his run, pretty pretty much. But Quaresma is 34, 35 years old. He, well, I would say he doesn't need that, but he clearly does. But I mean. Look, you have to be showing that 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 nurturing mentality towards other players too. He showed it to Jenk, and it and it, and it worked out. Um, but Ozan needs to be nurtured more. And I'm not saying again, I'm not saying Ozan doesn't carry responsibility. Of course he does. But Channel carries responsibility, and he is not in a position. Channel is not in a position to give up on a player, and he gave up on Ozan. And here's the he thing: he just Khan. gave up on here's him. Here's the thing, Channel might be in a position to give up on them because he maybe he doesn't he care is. you know sure. maybe it's done but he wasn't last well season. yeah he well, that's the problem he wasn't six <laughs> that's the I mean, problem he wasn't how long has he been he has given up on ozhan a long time ago he, he ozhan is not a player you can give up on he's He's so valuable. Well, he's not a player best you can give he's, up on. He, he's not a 20-year-old player that showed some promise early on, but then really had a fallback, <laughs> and he has some mentality issues and all this. And he's no Batuhan Karadinis, who we were right to give up on, yeah. or even a Seda Uskan, who we were right to give up on. Olsan is different. He's a different caliber. I mean, he's even he's still coming in and not making a stink, despite literally being like, yeah, rejected. And that's, you know, uh, uh, that's one of those things. Th imagine Quaresma you know, accepting that role peaceably, right? For example, his favorite little Quaresma. All right, let's let's okay. let's keep things let's, moving. Yeah. Um, 
Khan, so shall we just quickly talk about, uh, you know, man of the match? You know, who, who, do you want to give out some awards? I, I just want to talk about, um, yeah, let's just talk about who was good, who who wasn't as good. I mean, I think we can only really say Najib was poor and the rest was... Yeah, I mean, quite as was poor. If, if, if we each need an yeah. individual, yeah. and I think you'd probably take Najib first, I'll take quite as second, because I think he was a ghost at best. And uh, it wasn't the ghosts, no. I don't think he was a ghost, he was involved, but he was playing his own. Well, that's match. Right, no, I'm I saying at best, like at the best of times today, he was a ghost, as in we didn't have to hear his name. And when he was present, when he wasn't being a mm. ghost, was, was when he was earning my low, low light of the match, unfortunately, because he wasn't putting things together. You know, the, the things yeah, you can I mean, expect of him are at least those magical touches that result in assists, you know, the, that keep those stats pumping for him. And, and when he hasn't provided those... Which, yeah, I mean, his crosses really haven't been up to standard lately, yeah. uh, ever since he's basically... I mean, I, I, I can't help but feel that he just isn't really... I, at, at one point today, I felt like he was playing bad on purpose. He's mentally checked And out. I've never really had that. Well, I've had that maybe in the past in his first stint where there were, I think, times where I think he was self-sabotaging or sabotaging the team on purpose maybe. But, I, you know, even when he gets those red cards uh, against Erzurum, maybe that was kind of on purpose. But against Malmo, I really didn't think that was on purpose. I think that was just him being him, him being stupid him. Um, and, and, and not deliberately sabotaging the team. But today, it, it really hasn't happened. I'm not one of those people who sees that in him all the time. But I, I really had the feeling sometimes he was just playing bad on purpose, like just, eh, you know, very nonchalantly crossing it in without really having a plan behind it, without really spotting a run or so. Although I do have to say, when Kagawa came in... He was, like, more active. Sudden, suddenly, Quaresma had two dangerous crosses. And, and he had 27 crosses throughout the match, and only one of those actually met a, a teammate. So that, you know, it's not like he his crosses were great. But suddenly, I do think that Kagawa, that, that moving man in the box, did give him a little bit more of a, of a, of a target, we've maybe. We've talked about uh, that, maybe the They've connected before. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we've said that in, in, in the... Was it... Uh, there was a second match, it was his first game at home against Bursaspor, where there was this almost goal from Kagawa. Yeah, exactly. um, but but yeah, I mean, I agree with you, he wasn't really good. And I, I think I had this argument with our res resident uh, fanboy of Quaresma, Evran, today. Like, he told, he said, he argued that Lenz and Quaresma played almost identical no, matches. No. But the difference... But the difference for me is that Lenz played for the team and, and Quaresma was playing for exactly. himself. Lenz was working hard, was making a lot of runs. Um, I mean, look, and he uh, Lenz actually came back and covered for the right back, which says enough, I think, as far as mm -hmm. uh, who was more willing to be a team member than the other. Yeah. And I mean, Lenz didn't have a great game in, in terms of, of uh, final passing or, or, you know, I mean, he, he was involved in the attack, uh, but he didn't have a, a great uh, cross or so today. Uh, he had one that was that was almost really dangerous, but was cleared just before Burak could get to it. That was a, I mean, it was a good cross, but also good defending. So, I mean, but, but the, the, the differences, I think, where whereas Lenz's crosses could have been dangerous if it weren't for good defending, Quaresma's crosses just went over his teammates on, yeah. and just went in in, in no man's he, land, he, pretty much. So there's a difference there, I think. He hit the snooze button um, a few too many times this morning. No, and I'll tell you, um, yeah, and he actually, to wrap wrap that up, to wrap up my low light there, he made a comment at the end of the match, and he said, you know, 
he was sort of critical of the booing. We don't like to hear that stuff. And he made a cryptic comment, which was like, you know, the problem isn't only in the coaching and the players. And of course, the insinuation there is that there's something else going on. The board, of course, we can only assume that's an insinuation to uh, them not getting paid. Of course, that's but that's 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 a legitimate. He is allowed. He's to say very that. much allowed to say I'm that. I'm not going. And, and, and yeah. I, I only mention that because you talk about um, <clears throat> a kind of lethargy yeah. to his game today, and for him to follow that lethargy up with that comment, you know, in in a way that puts, I don't want to say a silver lining, but it definitely, uh, it it goes a bit of ways towards explaining maybe some of that attitude that you witnessed and 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 again why but yeah, why but he's I, not a good uh force but, out there but then you do what pippa does i think yeah, then just you just sit. say yeah, look exactly. not getting paid i'm not i'm not gonna don't hurt play. us on the simple pitch. as that yeah, you have every you have every right to do that but don't don't play yeah. then and exactly and, and phone it in because i think yes there's players probably who are affected by that uh consciously or subconsciously Definitely, that's an, that's an impact. But you do see players that are giving it their all. I I, I don't you know, and I I haven't seen it. I think a single time, especially in the second half of the season, when his role in the team has become bigger, I haven't seen Adam Leitch phone that it was, in. Yeah. I really haven't. And he's one of those players you'd probably expect to do it when you hear what he what type of a difficult person he might have been to handle. But the honestly, coach slap? I guess it was I think the coach he, who slapped. Yeah, no, not just that, but I mean, he does have a reputation of be- being a little bit of an enfant terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, apart from this, the, the the stupidity of him kicking the 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 goal, po- um, the the flagpole <coughs> there, which got him suspended for the. I Darby. still have a, I still I mean, take in- issue with those flagpoles, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, but I mean, we can't say anything negative about his no, his no, inputs, no. his in his, fact, exactly. you know, his investment. He's starting in to tuck goals and, away consistently, so. And Lens, look at. Let's talk about Jeremy Lens. Is he not giving one hundred percent every That's match? The one thing you it's can't not that, say. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not that he doesn't. I'm not saying that he plays a great game every game because he's had some stinkers. I mean, against Fenerbahce, he really didn't do anything, but he was at least he was working very hard and he was giving it his all. And I think that's all you can really ask from a player. And. I don't know if there have been players perhaps where we could have said maybe he's kind of not doing everything he can be doing. Um, But Adriano, I I haven't seen that in him. He always seems to give 100%. Gokhan Gunnel always gives 100%. Dorakan always gives 100%. And from the younger guys, you might expect it more because they have more proof. Burak Yilmaz always give yeah i'm shocked i'm shocked to be agreeing with you here i've been so impressed with him with his mentality that he's shown positive impact on the team i mean he's almost Um, been like a voice of reason which is so i don't i don't want to jinx it (laughs) um well so all right let's let's do this then because we've you know the negatives are 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 abound but let's let's flip it around we've talked so much negativity let's talk give me some highlights here because there are some today in fact there are before we do that, Sina, let me ask you, which was the best goal today? I would have to go with Ljajic's goal, honestly. I mean, of course... The... Not Fofana? Oh, I mean, are we, even, are we counting? Are all we counting Konya's goal? All around, yes, um, yes because we, I think we saw some beautiful goals today. So which was the I'd best got, goal? I'd, I'd have to give it to Fofana. That was... I yeah. mean... Right. Yeah. 
So I just want to lighten the mood. Yeah, with yeah, that. and credit uh, no, and, but... and to show our audience how sporting we are. Yes, you're right. The opponent definitely had the uh, the goal of the day today. Fofana's goal was was fantastic. Um, but as far as our goals, I would probably say uh, that Burak Yilmaz set up to the Adem Riyaya's little chip. That was that was also quite nice. Yeah. It was a great finish, great, great pass, great finish. It was a really good, and I think that just those two were linking up well. I think, and they've been showing that for a couple of weeks already. They can find each other, um, and I think those two, if if Leitch stays, which I think, like I, I think uh, his is, uh, this is unconfirmed, but if if the, the 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 rumor or is true that he was supposed to play twenty matches at least forty five minutes to have, then he his his supposed Claws triggered last week, so then he should be our player next year. We'll ha we'll have to wait and see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that breaks down. So yeah. today's highlights. Uh, do you want to go first, Khan? Who 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 are you yeah, sure. giving out your highlight to? Well, I want to mention. I continue to be impressed with Barack Yilmaz. Barack Yilmaz was fantastic, and as far as basically his entire stint with Betty Touch since he arrived this uh, winter yeah even when he's, he's even when he's not playing the best match he, he still gives 100% and it's all really you can expect really and I mean he's on five goals already now and exactly. it's just as many he scored five for Trabzonspor he missed one for us he joined so which this was the 25th match so uh, that was eight games he missed one so he's got five goals and seven matches for us and he's got five goals and seven matches for Trabzonspor so he has 10 goals in 14 matches this season he so could have this miracle tally he could have been top scorer. This miracle tally of more. his, like in the, in this like this, uh, what is it called? The Silver Springs. You know, when you get even better as you age, the like <laughs> Benjamin Button thing. Uh, it, it it's really happening with him. Like he's become deadly efficient as he ages. Uh, I think the thing with him is just you know keep him healthy and he'll keep scoring those goals. And uh, at some point his his speed is going to decline. Of course, I mean. And there's a there's a there's a mental aspect. Keep him healthy and happy. I think. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I I've compared him to Cristiano Ronaldo before, not in the terms of talent, but in the terms of the way he works to stay top fit. Mm. And even though he has off he is injury prone. He is, he is, you know, you can be injury prone, but you can still be top fit, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's working every day to, to keep it up. Yeah, I mean, he, he works very hard to stay in that condition he's in, to stay sharp. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not an ounce of fat on him, you know. Despite his age. Um, he's not yeah, I mean, he works really hard for his profession, and that's to be commended. Um, but, I mean, look, I think if we would have signed Burak at the beginning of this season, our season could have looked very differently. I'm not going to say that He's not a magic fix because we can see still with his positive impact on the team, there's still so much wrong with this team. There's still so much that needs to be fixed. And I think a large part of that is the coach. Oh, man. Is the coaching. Yeah, um, exactly. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's bad, though, to have Burak have these couple of months under Channel to get back and, and get the fans to embrace him again. Because yeah. I think yeah. he's at the point now where the fans have embraced him again, where they have forgiven him for past misdeeds and... I think that's good going into the next season. Hopefully with a top fit Barack Yilmaz and a new hungry coach. And uh, hopefully that Barack can continue to produce uh, under him. Um, but yeah, I mean, enough said about Barack Yilmaz. What's your highlight, uh, Sinan? Well, yeah, I mean, he's definitely deserving. I, I suppose 
I can't not give the secondary one to Adem Lijic, who was mm-hmm. a, a key contributor to, uh, yeah. you know, he gave Burak the assist by putting that goal away beautifully. Um, and oh. did he assist Burak's goal? No. No, Burak was a free kicker. You no, know, but who? Oh, you said Burak went down for the free kick, so yeah, he wasn't responsible yeah. for going down. But he did. He did pass the ball to Burak before he got fouled. For the so foul. Was... So it's like the assist, the the hockey assist. <laughs> he hockey assisted yeah. the, the foul assist. assist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever you call that. But um, no, but I mean, Leitch, he's a he's a fantastic footballer. But, I think, and so, that's just as an honorary mention. I mean, Leitch. Yeah, we, we've 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 gone at, on at length. I think about how. I really, I mean, honestly, I would love we're, if he we're and, both fans. We are, really. we are, and, and I, I would really love if both he and Karius could be, you know, like silver linings to a rough transfer spell and like part of that core. And it looks like Karius is probably not so but, realistic. But so, see, at the very let least, me ask I you want like Let to me ask be you a question, please. The one. If you had the choice, oh, sorry for interrupting you, no. but I have an important question to ask you. If you had the choice, and this is probably reality uh if you had the choice between signing Lige permanently or signing Karius permanently who would you pick uh, i mean of course the only it has, to, it has to be the yeah um, only because it's, it's, i think uh the price that we originally agreed to for Karius is quite inflated eight. it's inflated it's a eight little. and for light it's either six or six and a half exactly yeah so that's a more realistic i mean fee. i think it's gonna be an incredibly difficult for us to pay off that six six and a half million i i i, I how yeah i hope in a way in a way i hope that it's an obligatory buy and that we don't have a choice in the matter and that we just have to buy him yeah. but on the other but on the other on from the other aspect can we really afford to put another six million on our tab, so to speak? I mean, I it's would say difficult. I would obviously say no if I was like being in any way rational. But on the other hand, look at what Galatasaray is doing, and like it would hurt mm-hmm. me to not be able to do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look. I mean, if you're gonna spend ten million on Diagne, who's been a flop so far, you're gonna spend six and a half million on 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 Leich, who's been great so far. Then obviously you're gonna prefer that. But um, Let's remember also Lens, uh, let's be honest, if that option was not obligatory, we would not have made that permanent. I mean, after the season he had last season, and it might have been a mistake or not. I mean, I'm going to leave it in the middle. I think that given his age, it would have not been a mistake to not take that option. Um, so no, I think man. It, but I don't clearly that was up- to the Lens haters. I, I really no, like- I mean, you... you you know I'm a Lens fan, but I mean, look, he's he's also going on 32 years old. So we did pay almost five million for him, and he wasn't really worth that. He still isn't really worth that. He definitely wasn't worth that after last season, even though Channel had a big part in his failure. But even this season, I mean, we can't really say that he's been playing up to what we well, you know, up to worthy of the money that we paid for him relative to what we might have paid for other players in the past. Of course, five million is in. If you look at it, if you're a Premier League club or you're a German club or whatever, five million is nothing. But I mean, for us, also, it's just like, a lot of money. It's been such a crazy year economically that with inflation, five yeah. million is more of a norm than it was even like two years ago. You know. But anyway, well, sorry. But anyway, I don't want to, uh, you know, spend too much time on any of that. I, Shall we go Shinji watch? Yeah, that's what I wanted to mention was that the I 
definitely has to get the the co-lead as far as the highlight yeah. today because he was fantastic and he played you know a long stretch but honorary mention and as a as a way also to sort of do my little hashtag shinji watch uh, i definitely think it bears mention that shinji kawa shinji kagawa came in and got like 15 minutes and change and immediately showed his yeah. class 20. his ability uh, yeah i guess with, with extra time um his his just innate ability to impact a match positively to, to mm -hmm. use his skills in a way that will uh, benefit your team immediately he came in and you know supposedly after the match he came out and said yeah. he was injured still and coming into form and not ready to play I would be willing to bet he was compelled to say that given all the criticism yeah. out there right now uh, and the, and the, Look, I think that's something a professional player like Hagawa is going to be quickly inclined to do exactly. to kind of protect a manager, exactly. whereas it should be the manager protecting the player, but whatever. Exactly. I mean, we don't know whether that's the case or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Uh, exactly. And, and I'm sorry, but he's come in and shown such class every time he's been called on to such an extent that it, you know... It's, there's no logic for him not starting. And fine, like if you have to take him out of the half because he's like, you know, winded, that's that's something. That's something you can do. <laughs> but there's no reason that you shouldn't be emphasizing his role in the team and building it with that in mind. You know, and, and furthermore, um, giving him the kind of prominence to, to make him feel important enough that he'd want to sign at the dotted line come next season. Uh, you know, given yeah. all that, all those rumors are true. So I'm troubled. I think it's going to be really tough, though. I mean, financially, I know, as I well. know. I don't, whatever. And, and, and I don't even want to. And he's not going to have any trouble with, with getting paid, of course, because his wages aren't getting paid by the club right now. But he, he'll notice players around him. And that's definitely something in the locker room players are going to be discussing among each other, like, look, hey, this 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 is an issue. I'm sure they discuss that among each other. He's gonna pick that up. He's gonna know that that's going on. Yeah. And that's probably gonna make him think twice uh, before he signs. Uh, and I think it might prevent him from doing so, despite maybe even having a good feeling with the Turkish adventure. But yeah. Yeah. So it's it's I, unfortunate, yeah. and I think you're right. And um, the fact that he's not being shown that kind of privilege that the, the stardom privilege of you know what we're gonna start you and if we have to take you out we have to take you out that's fine but you know given who you are and the, the known quantities the, the the clear abilities that you show you know we, we can't not have you out there as much as we can you know him not getting that treatment it's not helping <laughs> obviously the fact that people don't get paid yeah. doesn't help either like you mentioned uh, and, and there are definitely other factors as well but uh, that's just another and, one at the very least there's also the, the I think that that I don't know what's what, what's up with Channel Ganesh, but I I don't think he's been showing Kagawa the respect that he should be getting. Exactly. I think he, he has been scrutinizing Kagawa's performances. Um, he has been cr critical about whether he thinks that Kagawa and uh, and our dear friend Adam Yaich can function together. Absurd. 
um, which which I think is a which is, I think is absolutely silly. I think if if Kagawa or Leitch and, and Quaresma can function together, then why wouldn't Kagawa and and Leitch be able to function together? I think um, it's, bo- it's it's you know I mean silly. look they're both highly intelligent players. Kagawa probably more so than than than, than anyone else in the team, but they're both really intelligent, high, exceptionally quality players. Those types of players, unless they have a grudge against each other, they're going to find each other on the pitch and they're going to play while well, they're going to link up. I think that Kagawa Lens, uh, sorry, Kagawa Leitch can work brilliantly. And they both have experience if you have a runner. in the 10 and on the flank. If they, like, There's no rational yeah. explanation. <laughs> I, I don't want to yeah, harp you, on you can start Leitch. You can start Leitch on the left, Kagawa in the center, and those guys can just switch constantly makes it even more difficult for for their markers because let's say light starts on the left and you put a defender to man mark him or you do that with kagawa you put a defender to man mark him try to take him out of the game and you constantly have them uh moving then you're pulling that defender out from the center or it's you're like, pulling that defender like out from you have to pick your poison creating right? Yeah, and you're creating you're creating space for for either the defender to overlap or for somebody else to dive into that that pocket of space, and you're creating issues for them defensively if you have that constant interchanging. And I think they both have that ability. Both of them had good moments on the left today. Kagawa in the 15 or so minutes or the 20 minutes that he played had one really dangerous cross from the left. Leitch early on had a, had a couple of dangerous actions from the left. So it's per, they're per, both perfectly capable of playing there, of doing some damage there um and you know i mean in the 20 or so minutes that he did get you immediately see the quality that he has the involvement he had and we saw it against Fenerbahce in the first half too how phenomenal of a footballer he is how gracious on the ball agile quick maybe not fast maybe not the fastest player but he's quick he's incredibly quick and treacherous when you're up against him as a defender he's gone so quickly it's difficult to mark him without falling him uh, and you almost have to preemptively fall yeah. him. I think he is he has more of that than Adam Leij does, for example. I think Leij is bigger. Um, this will, he's he's a gracious footballer too, but Kagawa is, is is quick, agile, moves away. It's it's even more difficult to stop him. I think, uh, and and they're both just such great footballers. And for me, moving forward to the future, if Kagawa should stay. And Laich also stays. I think those two have to play together, and the coach has, whoever is the coach next season, will have to find a way to incorporate both of them successfully into the team. I think that's the key to our success. I I I envision a scenario where you have Burak or or his successor up front, uh, and the two of them behind him. Um, uh, You know, uh, one of them off to the wing, and of course you'd also have German Lens as well. Uh, you know, with the, the speed and pace, or Quaresma, I guess, you know, <laughs> whatever. But um, um, the the scenario that you'd be faced as a defender would be to pick your poison. You know, are you gonna are you gonna focus on Kagawa? And if so, you're you're leaving Liayic too much space to do what he does, and and vice versa. You know, if you pick Liayic, then you have Kagawa. And I, so it, it it could be this like assassin-like pairing that, that could just destroy any defense if a manager just emphasized that in his game plan, you know, which, which should be fairly See, now, you lift you lift through the, the heyday of the, the, the 2002-2004 generation, so to speak, under Michael Luchescu. Mm-hmm. Remember how he played. Absolutely. He had 
many somewhat similar types of players and he still played them together. Panku, Tumer, Sergen, Ahmed Hassan, they were all offensive midfielders. You know, Panku wore number nine, but he wasn't a striker. Ahmed Hassan oh, yeah, scored right, a lot yeah. of goals, but he wasn't but he wasn't really a striker. Tumer scored easily, Sergen scored easily. They were all those types of atta offensive attacking midfielders. And yeah, he didn't play all four of them at the same time, but he often played both of at them. At least the two. At say, least two yeah. of them at the same time. Yeah, so that that type of thing works well. I mean, remember our, our centenary year, our championship, we didn't have a single player scoring 20 or so goals, but we had a bunch of players, like four or five that had around 10 goals and that's also good i mean look it, if you have both kigawa and look Laich is scoring goals kigawa is scoring goals burak is scoring goals the only one that's scoring goals right now is lens um but if you if you can get those three at up top and you have you know basically four guys up top and three of those are regularly picking a goal and and of course the striker hopefully a little bit more than regularly but you've got i think offensively today again like one of our friends said, uh, asked how do we play, and somebody else said shit. And suppose, and that of course that person who said shit was at a different game today, watching Geneva. So I don't know why he's talking, but uh, stupid twist. But uh, but we didn't play. We didn't play bad today. We defended bad today. But offensively, we were good. I think. Yeah. I mean, I, look, we we didn't create a plethora of clear cut opportunities, but we played decently up front we were dangerous um you did have the feeling that we were going to create a chance when we needed to and i think offensively this season we haven't been bad it's the letting up easy goals consistently and brings us back full circle to carriers but it's too easy to blame him the 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 defending as a whole is a problem today we did not have that that giant gaping hole in midfield that we've been talking about yeah, for yeah. all season i mean and and this maybe is worthy of a note too uh atiba mm -hmm. his steadying presence since he's finally been sort of reasserted in oh, the yeah, lineup yeah. has been you can't even uh you can't yeah. stress that enough anyway yeah uh i guess take us out Khan. before you take us out i do need to leave our listeners our loyal fantastic special touch in, uh, international black eagles podcast listeners um with one final note which is that we do of course have a match upcoming and we will be back uh next week and i, I guess i'll mention what we're doing next week and then maybe Khan, you want to talk about the table very briefly before we log out um but so next week we're again at home. I, I, is it rare for us to have back-to-back -back home matches at, at Vodafone Park? Feels weird. Yeah, it's happened before. It happened before. I mean, we played back-to-back -back away games the first half of the season. That's, yeah, like two, I guess there's a conversation for that. Yeah. Two very difficult ones: Konya away, Gustepe away. Those are two extremely tough matches. And so, uh, and we... so ironically, now we have the same two. Not so ironically, I guess it's very logical. Oh, yeah. But we have the same it's, two uh, at home, and so we've just hosted for Konya. Gustepe. And and next we're going to be hosting Gostepe next weekend. Yeah. Uh, the match is on at Saturday at noon here in New York City, which I believe is a 6 p.m. for UConn. When did today's match start? Was that six? Five. Five. Ah, oh, so I was right. Uh, so yeah, 5 p.m. for you. Uh, 7 p.m. in Istanbul. Yep. Uh, Should be. 
so there you go. Saturday, Gustepe, a, a team that, like, when we first met them, was formidable and, uh, you know, posed problems. Yeah. And now here we are. Uh, and they're in the relegation zone. And that's probably where they, I said they They've kind of you. slipped. They, yeah, they, they slipped in there a little bit. Uh, uns, uns, yeah, I mean, I think it was a little bit of a surprise for them too, because suddenly all those teams in the relegation zone started picking up a lot of points. Fenerbahce started picking up lots of points. Um, Bursaspor, uh, who didn't suddenly start picking up lots of points, but they were someone who slipped in there, but then quickly got out of there again. Um, still are in there, though. Um, and then, of course, yeah, Ankara Gjust won back-to-back matches. Those those quick six points can get you up there quickly. Fenerbahce already won three matches in the second half of the season that got them out of that little bit, but they're still in the tick of things. Uh, they would have been in trouble had uh, Gustepe won today because then Fenerbahce and Bursaspor would have slipped back into the relegation zone. Um, well, on equal points, and, and Bursaspor would have been actually in it, and Fenerbahce would have been above the bar, so to speak, just because cool. of a goal differential and, and, and head-to-head, I think. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Gustepe are in a little bit of an awkward position right now. Um, it's not going to... I'm definitely going to say it's going to be an easy game. I mean, it's like a wounded animal almost and it's gonna be tough i think but of course we have the advantage of playing at home they're under a lot of stress to get a result they couldn't get the job done against kasim pasha today uh a kasim pasha side that has been uh, slipping extremely they've lost uh six out of eight i believe or five out of seven how many matches have been played in the second half of the season uh Seven or eight? Seven. I think it's eight, right? Is it eight, eight already? Eight. Oh, man. Yeah, it's eight. So they've lost six out of those eight, and they've drawn the last two. They drew 2-2 two, two, two against Trabzonspor last week, and then they drew today 0-0 against Gustepe. So Gustepe are really in a position where they have to get points. Um, we're in a position where I think we need to finally start uh, yeah, converting those home games into a guaranteed three points because that's been our, our biggest issue this season, those home games. We've dropped too many points at home. Well, so, Khan, and tell these guys about what the significance of this is for us. Like So now this match day is just about completed. Galatasaray has yeah. not yet played. So as yeah, the standings, as things stand now, yeah, they're going to play Antalya Sport tomorrow on the road. Yeah. Um, but so um, they have... At home, right? Oh, are they Don't home? they play? I think they're at home. But so they're, they've That's got right. a game in hand now, but they're, they're as things stand, two points ahead of us. With a win, they'd be five points up. Uh, with a draw, just three points up. So, but second place is still within grasp. Is that right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. Uh, there's this looming rumor of us getting maybe a European ban that might be uh, happening if we can't pay our player wages, which is a rumor that uh, has been reported by the always reliable Haber 1903, who recently changed their name. Uh, to Duhuye or something, but uh, yeah, they did, did report a couple days ago that there might be some uh, a, a relatively big wage bill left unpaid 
Uh, I think they were talking about 16, 17 million, and that just seems so baffling uh, if that's true. But if that's true, or even if it's less than that, let's say it's 4 million, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, if we aren't paying our players on time and our players are not willing to sign paperwork saying that we did pay them, uh, that could bring us into some serious issues with UEFA, could get us banned next season. But as a team on the pitch, we have to assume we're not getting banned. We have to assume we're playing for the European spots. And then, of course, second place is better than third place because second place gives you the right to play Champions League qualifiers. And with our coefficient, we have a decent chance of getting through those qualifiers by getting a good draw. You have to keep in mind, there's no more clubs from the top five leagues. There's no teams from the Premier League, Serie A, German uh, Bundesliga, Ligue 1 and all that. There's, so the only teams you can really draw in those um, preliminary rounds are like uh, the number... <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 those, those are Dutch teams, Belgian teams, uh, Czech teams. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, anyway, teams we should be able to beat on paper. So if you can get that ticket because of our coefficient i think we will have a decent chance of getting into the the, the group stages of the champions league whereas galatasaray would have a bit more difficult draw most likely so it will be more difficult for them but that's their problem um so second place still very much important for us the title is out of question i mean this weekend bashak here jumped one of their first big hurdles that was Fenerbahce. They beat Fenerbahce 2-1 at home. Um, so they only really have Besiktas left and Galatasaray left. And obviously we would do well to beat them. But in terms of the title race, that's significant to. to us. <laughs> like they don't even yeah, need for to us, beat us. They for, could lose to both Galatasaray and Besiktas and still comfortably win yeah, the I title. Yeah, I mean, Galatasaray are playing Fenerbahce soon too. So And, and, and it's at Kadikoy and they haven't won there since 1999. So... Uh, it'll be 20 years this year if they don't beat them, and I highly doubt they will beat them given the form they are in, even if Fenerbahce are in a worse form. Um, so yeah, for us it's really all about that second place right now. It's also about protecting our third place. We're four points ahead of Trabzonspor at the moment, 44 points for us like you already said, and 40 points for Trabzonspor. Konyaspor were one of our, well, arguably one of our rivals, or at least they were a rival for that fourth spot for Trabzonspor mainly, um, but they have now fallen five points back behind Trabzonspor and nine points behind us. So for us, it's really only Trabzonspor we have we are left to worry about. I think a top four finish for us is if we don't get that, that then there has to be a massive implosion from us in the coming nine games. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I didn't think that we were gonna drop points against Fenerbahce at halftime. Yeah, well, who so. predicted uh, Fenerbahce's first half of the season, right? So you never yeah. know. So It is football. So you this never know. Football. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something is something happens. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, for us, it's all about that, that European Europa League ticket, but initially that uh, Champions League qualifier ticket. And we kind of at this stage, we have to start hoping for Galatasaray to drop points. We have to hope that they drop points tomorrow. We have to hope that they drop points. That's, we have to look at Galatasaray and keep winning ourselves at this point. Uh, and I think the thing in our advantage is as soon as Galatasaray lose that title race, which they're going to lose, I don't see any way around it at this point. They might have a mental lapse too. Um, I don't know if, if, if Fatih Terim will be able to motivate them to play their utmost for that Champions League ticket. I think it's different. And, and Terim is a really uh, motivational type of coach. So I don't know. It might be a challenge for him to still motivate his team uh, if they're 
title dreams are gone. Let me put it this way. For anyone who's like super delusional and is actually counting our points, thinking we can catch Bashak here, I just wanna I just wanna put something out there. There are nine matches left for the season. And Bashakshi here could lose four of those nine matches and they'd still be in first place. <laughs> so good night. Sleep well, fellas. Yes. yes. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but so yeah, uh, that's with that said, Khan, take us out because uh, this is gonna be a long episode. <laughs> We've really run. Yeah, didn't on didn't here. think it was gonna be. Uh, thought it was gonna be a pretty yeah. Who would have thought? Pretty thought it was gonna be a pretty straightforward. But there's just so much frustration that we have this season. There is. But credit to us, like we didn't just spend the entire time talking about like how Chanel Ganesh has to go. Like I think we covered some topics here, but still, I think we gotta go. Uh, yeah. Send us out on a on a high note. Yeah, please check the show notes for Twitter handles and all that good stuff. You can find both Sinan and mine in there. You can also find the podcast Twitter handle and, of course, um, Bishdash International's Twitter handle. Give us a five-star review on iTunes, please. We've already got a bunch of them, but we would like some more. Um, and finally, check out Football a la Turca. That's a new podcast that uh, I'm working on. It will uh, it, it airs every Tuesday, so uh, be out on Tuesday, and that basically reviews the entire Turkish league, not just Beşiktaş. Um, and and Sinan is also involved there, and hopefully we'll have him on at some point in the future, uh, yeah. filling at in for me. At the very least, I'll be the Beşiktaş substitute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, def- um, definitely go check that out. Subscribe if you're listening for the first time. Always possible, and you held out until now because. If you're not a regular listener, you're probably thinking, God, these two guys can go on forever. But if you're a first-time listener, please do subscribe. Uh, helps us out a lot. Uh, follow the Twitter account for, for the podcast and, and, and share with your friends and family. The more listens we get, the better. Uh, get the word out there if you like what we're doing here. If there's something you don't like, always feedback is welcome. If you think we're going too long, talking too much, let us know. Uh, then we will try to cut it down a little bit or at least trim it in post. Um, but that's it for me for today. Thank you for listening. Sinan, take us out, please. Okay, and before the honorary last call, I would like to give a big, massive, huge shout-out to our friend, big friend of the podcast, Emre Hasturk, for gathering those phenomenal stadium sounds that you're going to be hearing throughout the uh, description of the match early on. Uh, also, sh- Stay tuned for after the beep. We're going to have a hashtag after the beep. Uh, After the theme song, you're going to hear a guest, uh, a listener of the podcast, a loyal listener who's going to weigh in from the stadium, I believe, Khan. Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. Batuhan is is a friend of yours, I believe. I think. Yeah, yeah, an old friend of mine, but I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, And I think he's out of practice with his English, but so this is going to be good for him. Hopefully, we can get some more from him in the coming matches uh, but anyhow with that said again thank you to both of you guys for contributing anyone else who wants to contribute in the future please do you know how to get a hold of us on whatsapp if not find out it's pretty easy to do uh, and as always go, go back to cash just nine more matches guys you guys might be wanting to turn that long summer you're gonna miss it. <laughs> you're gonna miss it. We always, no matter how dark it seems.
Yeah, well, I'm just hoping we can round up some of the, the life transfer and uh, maybe Kagawa and then I think, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully some youngsters. I don't even like... Icon, this is Batu from joining you from Internet Stadium, Vodafone Park, right after the uh, Konya Sport game. The stadium was tense with emotions tonight, as you can uh, see, as you might have seen. Everyone wanted uh, to shout for Shinol Ganesh's resignation, which happened after the uh, third goal in the game. The stadium is tense. No one wants to be here, but everyone wants to be here for Besiktas. We just want to see some games that... I don't know, man. We just want to see, we just want to be here supporting the team, but people are unhappy. Everyone is unhappy and people want Channel Ganesh to resign. But then again, we have this thing going with this guy and I think we will uh, ride it out as a team until the end of the season. And here's what it feels like from the Eskiachuk. See you around. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.